and we were playing one time and we were like beating up on this guy right and uh he was getting frustrated but he kept playing and then at one point this kid came and he was like cheering on john and i well we ended up handing like a stack of quarters to the kid oh and then the kid was playing like the rest of our like credit and loses and the other guy like stands up because he's excited that he like finally beat whoever this person was that's like beating him realizes that we let like a kid get on the cab and is now salty and sits down because he just wants to play but he doesn't have us as opponents anymore and now the kid is the is the one trying to beat this guy and it was kind of like a circle of life moment but it all happened because we were there able to like you know see each other uh it was just a complete stranger we like to joke that that kid's gonna be like the, the next Daigo, you know, like we that was his formative moment. to the absolute guard podcast so the podcast that chronicles the past and the present of the fighting game community and bring on various perspectives from arizona you can find us on twitch when we go live at twitch.tv slash spiral series at youtube uh, with the vod at youtube.com slash spiral series and on apple Podcasts and spotify under absolute guard uh, to all of you watching and listening we appreciate all that you uh, liked and subscribed tweeted and retweeted uh, this is episode 10 my name is Benny, also known as AK Grandmaster B, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the man who discovered that Baskin Robbins has boba, John. <laughs> I did. I did discover that <laughs> recently. Yeah, we were yeah. just visiting some in-laws, and then um, we were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's get ice cream on the way back." And then uh, my fiance got her ice cream, but then I saw like an ad, like on the on the actual cooler, saying that Baskin Robbins has boba now, and I looked and. The boba, they they didn't call it boba. They called it like brown sugar popping crystal or something instead. So whatever. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, because wow. they were what were they advertising the the tiger milk tea or something like that? Yeah, yeah, and it was like so. Yeah, brand new and exciting. But anyway, what's new and exciting yeah. with you, Benny? Uh, I mean, things are going pretty well. Just kind of, just kind of chilling. We are starting podcast the podcast early this week because the. Uh, Super Bowl champ, Los Angeles Rams are starting their season on Thursday. So, yeah, that's why we're doing things a little early. Yeah. Very cool. So you got you got you're decked out in a specific outfit right now. It looks like. Yeah, I got the I got the Super Bowl MVP's jersey on, so. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just pulled up that Bobo picture real quick. Yeah, it says brown sugar popping bubbles. Popping bubbles. Vanilla ice cream. Popping bubbles. I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how people know it, right? Bubble tea or whatever they call it. Yeah, bubble <laughs> tea. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's but, you, but you didn't try it, right? Uh, no, I didn't try it. No, I I was I like, thought. this looks too. This looks like diabetes in a cup. It's so <laughs> so much sugar. <laughs> I, I already do like half sugar anyway on my boba. So, <laughs> Ugh. well, I have to I have to look it up. Maybe I'll take one for the team, and we'll see. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Oh, yeah, so today uh, we are talking to Mr. Nick Going, a.k.a. Driftwood. Uh, just to kind of set things up, he is in a hotel, so, uh, you know, he doesn't have his, like, studio set up like he would at home. So Sorry, bear man, with us yeah. with that, but well, we'll make do. How you doing today, Nick? I am good. Uh, yeah, for the day job, I got flown out to a conference, and so, yeah, I, I don't see. have my normal production standards that i would like to adhere to for you guys apologies uh i'm on that that government taxpayer funded laptop so <laughs> yeah where where's the conference at it is in little rock arkansas have you ever been here i've no. never been to arkansas no uh, i don't know how many fans you have from arkansas but uh it sucks <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm sure there's really, loads to do, right? I'm trying to find out what there is to do. If you go to Reddit and you ask, like, what's the things to do? Literally more comments than offering helpful suggestions. Just say to avoid it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but That's I don't fantastic. Know, I'm a foodie. I'll find, I'll find something good out here, you know? Yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. At the very least, yeah. At the very least, you should be able to find a food spot if nothing else. It's supposed to be a good barbecue, so there's hope hmm. for this trip yet. <laughs> okay. Well, safe travels with you, man. Wherever you got to go for that, so that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, typically when we start, I mean, when we have a guest for the first time, we want to talk about their their gamer tag. Um, everybody knows you as Dripwood. Um, was there a gamer tag before that? Uh, if not, then you know, if you could give us the. Uh, the origins behind Driftwood and how that started, if that was bestowed upon you or if that's something you just chose? Yeah, um, I didn't really have like a, a meaningful gamer tag before that. Uh, before I got into fighting games, I played like, you know, Halo, like every guy. And I played uh, a little bit of Super Smash and uh, lots of Zelda and things. But, you know, I didn't have that opportunity to come up with like a gamer tag until, until I got into the FGC. Yeah. And I, I was in college at the time that was, you know, going to film school. So I had to think of something meaningful. And I, I love the movie and the book Count of Monte Cristo, which yeah. is also like, so for me, that that through line in my life is like film, right? Like film led me to fencing and film led me to like, you know, knowing about Street Fighter and all of that. So uh, I picked driftwood which is what uh the main character gets called when he washes ashore and he has to like do a knife fight with these italian pirates and they give him this nickname and they say it means they say uh what we shall call you zatara and he says that sounds fearsome and then they reveal that it it means driftwood yeah <laughs> and i just I thought it was funny uh that whole movie is about kind of like the ups and downs that you can go through in life and maintaining a good perspective and it just it kind of jived with me and so that's where i picked it nice and we've seen different like variations on your name before too like if you i've seen like you take your name as is spelled driftwood but you swap out the vowels for numbers and leet speak it right and then it turns into yeah that was never intentional so <laughs> it was my very first like local <laughs> You know, it wasn't like Evo, but it was a bigger tournament. Might have been a major. And uh, what was the tournament in AZ before? I don't know. It might have been like Devastation. Uh -huh. yeah. But uh, I used to spell my name with the one all the time until yeah. I thought like that they forgot to register me for this tournament. And then I heard over the megaphone, they were like, last call, 
for Dr. One Foot Wood. <laughs> and then it clicked. And John, you know, Velociraptor was with me at the time. And he was like, that's you. And we both figured it out at the same time. And uh, so my, you said this is a mature audiences, right? Yep. Yeah. And so I found out like I had accidentally uh, made a dick joke out of my <laughs> deep bag. <laughs> You know what's funny is Dr. One Foot Wood is a more I would probably be more likely to be a gamer tag than Driftwood would be anyway. <laughs> That'd be well, something you see on Xbox Live, right? <laughs> yeah. So I've had different names uh bestowed upon me by different people. You know, some people have called me the good doctor or you know, just doctor for short. Uh I love that. <laughs> and I just kind of I guess it kind of goes along with why I picked it in the first place. Like those ups and downs, you know, and uh having fun and it's a game so why not you know yeah it's poetic well, that's, <laughs> yeah i remember you told me the origin of that and um i think i don't know if i talked about this briefly on the podcast before but the the count of monte cristo has uh, a lot of meaning to me because that's when me and my wife were supposed to go on our first date uh we didn't end up going to that we ended up hanging out with our cousin that night and so every year since then on valentine's day which was when our first date was going to be we watched that movie so oh. I watched the movie every year. And then when, like, when I saw your name, and I was just like, where'd your name come from? And you said that. I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. Sometimes yes. uh, when I, like on my Battle.net account, you know, I go by Zatara. And I love when people catch the reference and they'll call me Driftwood in the game. I'm like, this guy's cool. Like, we can get along. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so in terms of, like, your your origins with the like the fighting game community, uh, did uh, I know you from starting in the SoCal scene? So is that where where things started for you there? I mean, where? Well, I guess what was like the first fighting game that you got involved in, and then if you can talk talk, you know, from the SoCal perspective and going from there. Sure. Uh, well, as a kid, I played Smash and uh, Melee, and I actually I would go to tournaments and stuff. But it was sort of like pre me knowing about. I didn't know about Evo. I didn't know about uh, that kind of stuff. And I didn't go to like majors. I just had like a local community at a game store. I And then I found um, Street Fighter in college. I mean, I had played Street, I had, I had two turbo on my SNES growing up, um, but I wasn't like competitive, you know, I just, I knew the game. And John Velociraptor was my roommate in college. And so we decided to pick up Street Fighter 4 we went to the launch party for the game at like a GameStop and the arcade in a box guys were there. So it was okay. like Aaron Holly and Marvin, um, you know, that crew and they were passing out flyers for arcade in a box and they also oh. competed. Yeah. They competed in like the tournament that happened at GameStop that night. And yeah, it was pad only, played. right? It was pad only. Yeah. We didn't know what arcade sticks were like John and I. Yeah. And uh but you know we got our butt kicked i could throw a fireball and do an uppercut with ryu and that was like my first character yeah um so i joined uh well i you don't really join arcade in a box you know you just kind of go there and that's where john and i would spend our like i mean we would go there twice a week wednesdays and fridays and just play get our butt kicked and everyone was really uh cool about teaching us so then when i and i did that for like two or three years i think before I moved out to California. Okay. Um, yeah. And so then, at, and it wasn't, I didn't pick up Fei Long until like kind of the end of my Arizona tenure. Like I maybe played him for like six months before I moved to California. 
Yeah, and I think you I were moved, playing Able prior to that, right? Yeah, most, mostly Able. Yeah. Um, okay. When I moved to SoCal, John had already moved out to California, and I, be, I followed him, and we became roommates again. So he showed me the SoCal scene there, and it was pretty sweet. I mean, I met uh, instantly, like upon going there, I met Valle, who had run sets with me. I played with Online Tony, um, Brent, Chris, Tartarian, um, Hungby, who is like one of my favorite Street Fighter players of all time, old school. It was cool. It was a cool mix of old school guys and and the new school Street Fighter Four players. And uh, I would say that the SoCal scene has a different mentality than the Arizona scene. And I don't mean to be traitorous because, you know, I will root for Arizona over SoCal all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think that their Street Fighter mentality is maybe a little bit better, at least in the Street Fighter Four times. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, we Fight can get into it. But, uh, but when I moved back to Tucson, uh, you know, it was this weird feeling where, like, I had learned the tech from the SoCal scene, and I had learned the mentality of the SoCal scene. And, like, with the exception of, of Abe, set 3S, like, and occasionally Ernest, nobody touched me for, like, an entire year. Um. I know that sounds cocky, but like that was the result. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's facts, I mean, it's facts, right? Well, I, so, loved it. I loved it. And then John moved back and he started beating me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just to, just to kind of get like a brief recap. So you started actually here in Tucson or yeah, mm -hmm. in Tucson. And then uh, just for everybody listening, the Arcade in a Box was a, how would you describe that? Like a venue slash uh I guess arcade stick modding creation business, right? Yeah, I was like an arcade stick creation, and I like to brag about having been involved in like the different things. Uh, so like I came in at the first arcade in a box location, which was more of like a manufacturing location. Okay. And then the second site was kind of like halfway that and halfway like an arcade place to hang out. And then the third location was like just specifically they weren't making sticks anymore. It was just a place to play, to play. primarily Street Fighter. Okay, I got you. And then from there, you said John moved to SoCal first, and then you ended up following him. Like, what kind of prompted that move? Was it fighting game related? Was it something else related? No, it, like, it was life. Um, so both John and I went to school to study film, okay. and um, so John moved out there um, with like you know dreams of uh, being a writer, and he he wrote some sketch comedy at a theater and stuff, and you know ultimately is now writing for event hubs, right? So sort yeah. of using his film writing tools, but to write for like the FGC, which I find interesting. Yeah. And I moved out there for similar things, but my background is in, is in sound, like sound recording. Um, and again, sorry for the terrible microphone, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I got a job at a recording studio where I recorded like audiobooks and uh, television audio for, you know, different shows and stuff. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that part. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So you were talking about the the SoCal mentality. Give us give us a little brief about like how would you describe that, or you know what exactly are you speaking about? It's like grimy. Uh, it's about being optimal, but being yourself. So like you know, in those moments in Street Fighter when you get to do a punish, usually there's like a combo that's like the ideal one it's going to do the most damage or give you the best positional advantage right 
Yeah. They don't really care about that. If you have a chance to get in your opponent's head, sometimes you take that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I would point to like online Tony doing like really risky uppercuts. Uh, and I certainly love to do that as well. Um, <laughs> so like they think about the game a little bit differently. And I think like in Arizona, there's an emphasis on like being the most tech, like if you're technically proficient in Arizona, yeah. you can become one of the best players, if not like the best. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are a lot of people who are at the peak technical proficiency of their characters in California with their respective characters. Yeah. So like, what makes you different? Uh, I see. I see. Yeah. We kind of touched on this briefly when we were talking to rock in terms of like, we were talking about Mocha mm. and you know, Mocha, like, you know, he's very straightforward, very technical, like, you know, Rock was even praising him, saying that, you know, he would put him against anybody in the nation in terms of just like his technical skill, right? If there was a money match going down or somebody wanted to play for money, he'd be like, yeah, you go play that dude. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Cause like, yeah, even in a sense, like, uh, like Ernest, Ernest is very technical, like very kind of by the book. But, you know, you're talking about adding that whole kind of like that whole mental game aspect and not just being like, you know what? Yeah, I can. Uh, you know, just just to say, like basketball, for instance. Yeah, I can I can do all these things to you like the normal way, but I can also do this and kind of like you know swag on you or do something that you know is going to be like, why would you do that instead? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a swag moment. It could be something yeah. like um, playing really cautious, and then when you get a moment to take a risk, take the risk. Yeah. You know, the risk. I can't believe like, I use that word anyway. Sorry, I hate no, I hate no. using that word. <laughs> For me, sometimes it's about swagger. Like I used to do, uh, you know, command grab with Fei Long, and then do it into command grab because <laughs> the command grab, right, would t would put you into the corner. Yep. So now you're if you do the combo, you're not you, you don't have the corner advantage anymore. Yep. What yep. what's better than getting that damage from a command grab? It's like well, getting the damage and putting them back in the corner and destroying their mind. <laughs> yep. And that's. The kind of level that that I think you think of in in uh, California a little bit more than in Arizona. The way I think, yeah. From what I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about stuff like that lately. Like, what does it mean to play optimally? And then, when do you choose not to play optimally? What are what are your what is the most optimal way to not play optimally? Right. <laughs> and it's like okay, so if I play optimal, then what I'm doing is being really predictable, and I'm saying the same things over and over again. And when, re when in reality, if you're going to win the conversation, you want to say something completely outlandish at times, catch them off guard, and then play safe and say something that's a little bit uh, less inflammatory, I guess. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta have an opener, really. Otherwise, you're just gonna play by the book, and the book can be read. Yeah, like interesting story where the locations are actually switched. One time, we went out to Vegas for a tournament, and Rock came. Um, and this is when like DiCaprio was when Rock was playing DiCaprio. And he played against Ian from SoCal, who was a good Chun-Li player, but was Ian was learning DiCaprio. I can't remember Ian's gamer name right now, but like he's good. Um, and Rock was doing like hold down charge mid-screen, right? And like someone would walk up to like engage in footsies and Rock would uppercut out of nowhere. Not yeah. on wake up, but he like uppercut neutral. And that was like blowing ian's mind you know and 
you could see him get mad and like kind of rock at it the entire time. Huh. So I would I would point to like John had that with his character, you know, with Goken, like he was beating Japanese players, not because like he because he didn't play Goken like any of the Japanese players, you know. John would do weird demon flip or you know resets that like they didn't they hadn't seen before or sweep into sweep into sweep into sweep and they just didn't think that that was valid you know so you gotta have your style yeah yeah that's that's cool (laughs) yeah it's definitely something like yeah i I mean yeah i've tried to incorporate stuff like that into my game too because like yeah there's the traditional honda players and then like you know it's like yeah that's cool but like i want to do some other stuff (laughs) right right so so in terms of like your competitive side uh or the competitive aspect of the game so it it started with the the Street Fighter Four and from the uh, arcade in the box uh, stuff from there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So like the so you you said you were going Wednesdays and Fridays there in Tucson. Yeah, we did a couple things. We had we had tournaments like you would expect. Yeah. And we did um, ranking battles quite a bit, um, which was really fun for me. I think my favorite was we would do a King of the Hill, and those nights are pretty popular. Um, so you had I think we had four maybe five stations. Um, and like you, if you were, you'd start at the beginner, the beginner station, and then the, whoever had the most wins would play against the person who had the least wins from the station above. And then yeah. if you won, you promoted. And if you lost, you demoted. Yep. Um, yeah. those were really cool nights. Um, especially cause we had like Latif there and, um, and also during casuals, we had like the Latif rule, which was like, if he beat everybody in the rotation twice he had to get up even if he wasn't losing <laughs> yes yeah, so that was other like, people could play or before he got second in evo and nobody could beat him you know yeah yeah so i thought we had pretty good i had pretty good teachers i mean I, so shout outs if you don't mind i just want to say like to you know well john obviously learned the game alongside me and i learned a ton from him but abe marvin ernest rock latif i mean jake at the time there were so many players that taught me what I knew here in, well, in Tucson. And they were kind of my foundation. And then I feel like I learned the the grit out in LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like every yeah, every mean, fighting game player has their origin story and they turn into a superhero and it sounds like you had an Avengers. <laughs> I, I, I like to be more of like the comic relief if I was a hero. You know what I mean? Like I view yeah. myself as like the Ant-Man of the community. <laughs> the Paul <Nice> run <laughs> yeah, yeah like you know i can throw down but uh i'm not trying to like be dr strange i'm trying to have some fun with it <laughs> yeah no i like that i like that whole aspect like you said of going to socal and then taking like what you learned from socal because i mean of all the characters to play you play Fei long who is you know a caricature or i guess of bruce lee and that's the mm-hmm. whole like you know take take things from whatever takes what's essential from from somebody else and apply it to you and make it your own and so for you to like you know learn and you know under the people like you were talking about like Abe and everybody else in Tucson when they go to California and be like all right I'm playing with these like OG Street Fighter 2 players and stuff like that and like you said I like that word that you use grimy like learning the grimy side of things and then taking that back when you came back to Arizona and being like you know what I'm adding this to my game yeah, I mean, I remember like some of my grime at that time, which I kind of consider like my my peak, right? Like my notable, I guess, like 
like I used to play mo uh, Mocha all the time. I thought Mocha was an incredible player. When I went to go to Absolute Battle in Texas um, and do, I did like a first to five with Chaotix. Uh, I was so ready because of Mocha. And Mocha is a player who definitely had, he had the grime, the grime down, you know? Yeah. And it was cool to see that coming from Arizona when I didn't, I thought everyone else was trying to be too polished, you know? <laughs> but I got to play uh, Chaotix and it became like a game for me of just like, I at one round, I just did like chicken wing just over and over and over again, knowing he knew I was going to do it because he didn't have the right answer. And it was just like, I don't care, you know? Um, that sort of thing. Like if you can walk up and take somebody's like fierce punch and then just do it again, that's yeah. a weird statement. It throws them, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it changes the conversation and then they have to adapt to around that, but you're basically taking point on setting the tempo of the whole of the match, right? Yeah. I mean, I basically let him fierce punch me three times. It hurts, whatever, but like the entire time I was just getting knowledge on where he could do that button from. And then I did the low forward into super against him, which yeah. the low forward can go under that button. Like he didn't know that was coming. And so I think the mindset is like, okay, he thinks he's finding a successful button to use at neutral, yeah. right? But when I hit him with that super, it's doing 500 damage versus the 200 he's done to me, you know? And suddenly you're like, I guess I was wrong. That's the kind of thing I learned out in California. Like, don't yep. don't let the small stuff, like, figure out how to turn it into your advantage. Yep. Like, you're using your health basically as a gambling chip. Or yeah. not even a gambling chip, because you're guaranteed to lose it. You're, you're knowingly walking into your fierces in order to get him to use it more, right? Yeah, you're and just so conditioning with your life. Yep. Very yeah. Cool. <laughs> like, you know, that's a weird thing to think about, right? But it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, I mean, it it makes me think of like like Nico. Like Nico had this thing, uh, Mr. S and K, the whole like one button club thing using Honda's uh, standing roundhouse because it would you know in footsies that hits low, and like he it would. I remember low. there was there there was a, I think it was a bar fights or something. He was playing Ernest and like oh he did God. he did the roundhouse the whole round, and at the very end it was Ochio, and it's just like he had conditioned him so much, and it was just like in his in his head so bad that he was just like. I can't believe he's just using this one button the whole time. And then it was like scoop. And it's just like, <laughs> that was like one of my favorite things to ever see somebody do. <laughs> Honda was my original like demon. And it sucks because it's not, it's, it's a favorable matchup for Fei Long. It makes no sense that it should be hard for me. And uh, so SNK, Mr. SNK got in my head all the time and then when i moved to california there was a player named arrow who would get in my head all the time but uh i had a really incredible match at norcal regionals where i lost to hudaman oh but it was like the most honest game of street fighter you've ever seen like last game last round goes down to time this is another time. honda player right hudaman is another yeah, honda player he's right. very good i mean he ended up playing like capcom cup in the qualifiers or something like that he's incredibly good nice. um but I, you know, I feel like having that, those matches with SNK, that's what prepared me for that. <laughs> nice. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the Street Fighter Four era, and and your 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 strong performance as a player. After the Street Fighter Four era, you shifted to another role. Would you be interested in talking a little bit about that era as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the are we talking five or like the bridge into five? I'm, I'm interested in the bridge and into five, sure, yeah. And yeah. it kind of kind of bridges into that because like yeah. um for those that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about rewired. Uh that's the, the tournament uh, well, I'd say like a big regional that Nick put on in Tucson uh with a buddy of his. So if you want to touch briefly kind of like on the origin of that and uh you know kind of how that started. Yeah. Um I've always organized stuff and I've I've organized tournaments from a fencing perspective. Um which you know we, we can talk about but that's my other thing. Yeah. yeah. And I saw a problem with this scene uh in Tucson in that it was fragmented. So and I, I not just Street Fighter, but like, you know, we had anime players going to one venue and Street Fighter players going to another venue, et cetera, et cetera. And Mortal Kombat at a different one on, on different nights. And so we could never really accomplish anything like too great. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are kind of funny Tucson in jokes or community in jokes about this, but I, I tried a couple experiments to, um, see what we could do. And the first was like, all right, well, let's just do casuals at my place. Like, let's stop going to different places and try to like do something, right? And this was my first foray into like being a, a tournament organizer. And those were at uh, what John called the Friendship and Gaming Fortress. And I won't go into it beyond that. Oh yeah, but, I forgot about um, that. <laughs> but what it allowed us to do was get those, like the community setups, right? That we had. So at this point, Finally, we could go to a place and have at least a couple setups that had all of the DLC, right? Yeah. And then it was like, all right, cool. Baseline is established. And at the same time as this, there was that tournament called Devastation. And it was really sketched. Do you guys remember? Like, it, there was another one in the in the Melee community, too. I can't remember what happened, what, but it happened, like, at Mill Avenue or something. And nobody oh. got paid out. Mm. And Devastation had that same sort of thing. People weren't getting paid out right away and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, well, we can do this better. Um, so we started with locals and we brought the Smash community in with us, with my friend Justin, who's a big part of the um, Smash community there. And we would rent out uh, like a tap room and make like a little bit of money from doing that. And ultimately, we got enough funds to do Rewired, which was like our attempt at running a major. Our last year of running Rewired, we had like 520 attendees. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, because the first one, I remember we, you guys were in the kind of like the smaller kind of like side convention room. Right. Like like there was, you know, kind of the stage was like, I don't know, I'd say maybe a, a fifth, maybe a quarter of that room. Right. And then the rest mm -hmm. of it was like setups and then kind of like the uh, the casuals or the, the tournament setups in the middle. And our big thing was like transparency because of that. So we ran on our website. You could actually load what, how much funds we had made. Yep, what, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, what the prize pools were, um, what it was going to. And um, we also let people design custom badges, which was really fun. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, no, that, that was one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, but it was just about like not not being um, we like uncomfortable with the smash and the and the street fighter scene like trying to bridge that gap so that we could leverage something together you know which like was being able to afford the convention center space nice uh what game yeah, what games did you run at rewired out of curiosity oh man okay 
my the years blend together for me, but total um, and we allowed we allowed external TOs to come in and utilize the space if they wanted to run a game that we didn't have so long as they provided their own setups for it. So we had like community space. And we right. also had that this this was tough and shout outs to um to Steve Gannon because we did a 24 hour room. Oh second rewired and he basically yeah. was the reason that happened. <laughs> that was a 24 hour venue. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. People were there the whole time. It was insane. Wow. You know, like delivering pizzas and stuff. Um, <laughs> so the games we ran, we did uh, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter 4. We did Street Fighter 5 the last year. We did um, Marvel. We did Killer Instinct. We did Smash. And I think we also had, so we did Melee was like the big one, but we also ran like Project Melee. Nice. Um, and then there were lots of side games from from there too um what was the pokemon fighting game that was oh pokemon oh, oh pokemon yeah. 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 yeah yeah so lots that was yeah, so on I'm... wii u if i recall correctly yeah and i yeah. think it might have been guilty gear as well oh yeah yeah wow, i remember like, the, yeah the thing i remember from the first one yeah other than yeah it, just, it was just like it was like a completely uh huge difference right from like the first one and being in that small room um, yeah, I remember the yeah, Street Fighter Four. Uh, would you have like the little Polaroids that uh, I think you hung up like on the on the stage? Yeah, remember that. Like, how do you get yeah, creative to yeah. do something? Um, that was fun for us. Also, Frank in the chat. Thank you for those for that McDonald's because I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like I, I have very very fun mem mem memories of both of those tournaments. Because like I think yeah, the first one I think there was a buddy match. Who was who was the team that came Colorado? I think you had some Colorado guys there. I think. And What's that? this year we brought out Snake Eyes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that was really cool. And of course, Snake Eyes won the whole thing, but um, we had a pretty good showing against him. I don't remember who. Was it Mocha? It, it might have been Mocha. It might have been uh, Yusuf. Hmm. Okay. I'd have to look it up, but I remember yeah, being yeah. like yelling, like, I'm top three at my own tournament. <laughs> nice uh and then and then we did the match with colorado and i honestly thought that was like one of the most fun team matches. <laughs> yeah that was that was the most fun for me because i remember you guys pulled me aside we're just like we're gonna get benny to play and then like i think it was john at the background he said something he goes you know all that stuff that we tell you not to do like do it right now and i was <laughs> like oh okay and I, you know, I ended up winning whatever my match that I played in that, and like, yeah, I had a ball. Hell yeah, nice. Yeah, so, yeah, so that was that was great. And then like, um, yeah, the and then like, the, yeah, the expansion into the the sector was just like, you guys have like, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's the biggest room that's at that double tree, but that yeah, nice. it seemed like it was. Yeah, that was that was a huge change, and that's the one when like my whole family came down there they were doing like reg desk we were talking about that uh, a couple episodes so, yeah selling balls <laughs> incredible <laughs> selling balls and t-shirts and stuff well that was a joke too so we were trying to get um we would reach out to like vendors to try and get stuff to help raise money because we wanted to bring players out and stuff like that um and like pay for things like we had to have like an internet truck brought in to provide enough. oh wow yeah bandwidth to to do it i don't think people give like tos enough credit for everything they have to deal with <laughs> um but um 
so we were we reached out and justin got like balls energy drink to donate like two pallets of the energy drink yeah. like, <laughs> there was, there was a like, lot. it was so much and so we were like, like, like that was great <laughs> so i i had the the i was fortunate to go to the second rewired and at that time i had just started seeing my then girlfriend now fiance and she uh had a had a history of gaming but she had never known the fgc before until rewired and uh so i expected i told her i'm like it's different than normal gaming it's like the normal like uh traditional gaming because it's it's rooted in arcade culture there's different uh demographics demographic makeups there's different ages all kinds of differences um and uh we get there and then suddenly there's just pallets of balls energy drink and she's like no this is the, the exact gaming that i'm used to i know like i know all about balls and i'm like no this isn't this is different we're not that hollywood yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> we were sort of celebrating whatever we could get you know <laughs> yeah no that, that was a big deal though it was like man we got like it felt like that was the cool thing about rewired is that it felt like it was Arizona's major. It wasn't just like, Hey, here's a major by a specific person. It was like, this is the Arizona major. And so when like, when Nick, when you put in all, all the hard work and you, and you got sponsored, it felt like Arizona got sponsored. It felt like right. the entire scene got sponsored in a way. Well, and thank you for saying that. Um, I really loved putting in that work and, it's something that I think I would still be involved with, with, um, but yeah, you know what I wasn't thinking about was like what drove me to do that work was my identity as a player, which changed as the games changed, you know. But that's how I felt when we got like, and I remember like, and I think it was after, but Armando got the qualifier for Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I have always felt like uh, Arizona is a little bit of a black sheep in the FGC. We've had some killer players and like we have, we have players that people in other communities recognize. Um, And I mean, like, obviously like Latif and Abe and, you know, like there's so many players, juice box, whatever. Um, Scott has an Evo moment. I mean, there's players here that matter and are like historical and important and good. Um, and also just cool people, right? But we don't have it on the level that like New York has or that California has, yeah. you know? Um, and I wanted us to be seen that way, you know? We do have, I think, a big enough scene that it could happen. In, yeah. in the Smash community, Arizona is actually a very like well thought of state. Yeah. So my goal, with the FGC when I was doing TO events was to try to give us the opportunities to draw people in that we could learn from the same way that like I did. Um, ah, even okay. though, yeah, even though like everyone, most people in Arizona would be like, we're better than them. We're going to take them down. And I was always like, you don't know what you're about to get into. Yeah. <laughs> because we did events at like the Maker House too, which was yeah. pretty rewired where we did like a California versus um, Tucson 5v5. Yeah, you we guys got, did the, the Tucson Phoenix seven v seven there, yeah. Right, yeah, we got messed up. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's I understand that feeling of like, oh, we're on the map, like we're doing something for Arizona, and I I want that to like continue. Yeah, yeah. You talked about bringing in people from like uh, to learn from. Also, was that part of the thinking behind? Because uh, in the uh, 
I think in the first reward, I think you you had Sagem there, right? Was he at the first one too? I brought Sagem. Because I know the second one you had Sagem and James Chen. And James Chen, yeah. Yeah. The I, who came to the uh, first one? I had Shibble Tim do commentary. Oh, okay. And Tim's been like you know my FGC friend forever. Um, yeah. So, and Tim's one of those guys where I kind of feel like Tim, like. Out in California, Tim doesn't necessarily like win stuff, right? But like Tim used to, we used to road trip from California back to like the Phoenix Ranbats. Yep. And Tim like yeah. top four with like his unpracticed Blanca. Like, yeah. and we would think there's no excuse for that, you know? Uh, so that's my point. And like, there is a gap, and it's only because we just have less players. Yeah. Um, so I think it is a gap that can be bridged. Um, and plus, it's fun to play video games with people and invite your friends from out of town. I remember like taking all the California guys to get Sonoran hot dogs and it blew their mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you or like we, we, we both have In-N-Out Burger, I think, but I, I don't think California has Cane's Chicken. And I know whenever we had a lot of people from out of state come, we'd always take them to Cane's Chicken which is like a staple in the South, but somehow we have one. We have a Portillo's randomly. We have a bunch of Chicago chains. Yeah. I think we have Lou Malnati's too. <laughs> yeah. We got you Culver's. Got, Culver's, we yeah. We two spots in uh, Tucson. Like in the early days, we would go to uh, this place called Chicken Chicken and Rice. Wings and, and Rice, like, yeah. Wings yeah, and I rice. love that place. And then after that, when Wednesday Night Fights was a thing, and we would go see if like John was doing well. Yeah. Um, and that was late, you know, that would go to like three in the morning. So we needed a place that was open late and we moved to a, uh, like a Denny's. We had a, we had a brotherhood that still exists. That I can't go into too much detail. It's a secret brotherhood that would meet at Denny's and they would bring us carafes of Mountain Dew. Carafes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. For your own. I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> Oh man! Our super <laughs> chat mantra in the chat. There's only maybe two other people here who will know it. <laughs> e serapis unum. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's oh, funny you bring man. up like the you know the whole uh, the the community thing, right? In terms of like Arizona, and you know, again, not being uh, not as respected or not as seen in that same light, because like Phoenix. Um, I think it's what fifth fifth largest population now. I think that passed Philadelphia like you know a few years ago, or whatever. So it's like you know there's a pop, there's a general population that's huge here, and it's just like it's a matter of you know finding those players, you know, and cultivating and, and growing that scene. And like I mean, you were doing it from you know from Tucson, you know, which is you know smaller city, you know, about what hour and a half, two hours away, and um, you know, and then like you said, uh, joining up with uh, Justin in the Smash community. Um, you know, I thought that brought in a lot of uh, people too, because that's one thing that this year with Evo, like not including that, you know, that's always brought up all the time, right? And um, what I think about is like um, the, the like the cooperation you guys had, like that brings in a lot more people that people don't think about, right? You're thinking about right. like unique attendees. It's not just you know the fighting game community in itself is kind of a niche, but you know you bring in the Smash community and like. I don't know what the numbers were, but I'd have to think, you know, just based on how the venue looked, that they were maybe two thirds of the, everybody that was there. That's about right. I mean, we filled we filled a hundred twenty eight man bracket, 
all the way up for Street Fighter Five, and then had you know games that oh didn't, yeah we didn't have overlap like Ki most of the Ki players were like you know ex- explicitly Ki but like yeah it, it, the Smashers at least doubled us at least um, but what was cool was like because of like the way like my connections in the community at the time and because of Justin my partners. Both of us were the kind of guys who liked to just like go play Street Fighter when we were doing like I would do a life trip to like Albuquerque for like vacation. Like I'd go there to hike or something, you know, and while I was there, I would go play Street Fighter at a local thing. And that's how I met when I went to Albuquerque. That's when I met the Colorado guys. And I learned out that that Albuquerque and Colorado were like rivals in the way that Tucson and Phoenix is. and so you know i was able to reach out to them and it just became like you know what we're like a whole west coast or you know western thing you guys feel the same as us like you're not on the level of california you don't get that visibility but you can come to rewired and get that visibility and we'll give you time on you know the 5v5 and um, that's a good incentive we didn't even really think about it in that way it was just like let's like you know it doesn't hurt to have more people come yeah Yeah, i think there's also like a there's a common like thirst as a player where you're like hey i want to have somebody uh i want to play somebody different than who i usually play and then Mm -hmm. when you get a chance to meet someone from a different state or a different city even that is you know similar skill level as well as different you're like man let's play right now how whatever we can do to make it happen you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know i i like to think uh, when i i did an internship in new york and so when i was out there i went to next level a lot and i meet like i met henry sen and aqua silk whatever nice i actually played games against aqua silk and i was losing to him at like the what is next level like fridays or whatever right yeah um and I basically, I was so frustrated and he could read the frustration on my face. And I was like, all right, can we play like casuals after? And they were still running arcade cabs. So, you know, you had to like pony up cash and stuff to play um, on, to do casuals because the rest of the setups were for the event. Yeah. And we did. And I finally beat him. And I like kind of popped off that I beat him. And then when we were leaving, he's like, yo, where do you live? And I was like, oh, I live, I'm living in Brooklyn, but the line to get to my hotel or to my, um, like I was in a furnished apartment was broken and I didn't know how to get there. And I had no money because I was poor as shit. So <laughs> like Aqua Silk took me on this like subway ride into Manhattan so we could get on a different ride. And he just like took me all the way back after I popped off because I beat him for the first time. Oh, wow. Like That's the kind of people that I think the FGC attracts and that's like what I like about it. And so I just, you know, like, to encourage like those kinds of people to have like a, a home yeah <laughs> nice. well, it's funny you brought up those those right you said 128 man bracket for street fighter 5 and it, it kind of just gave me flashbacks because i was the one that ran like all those brackets for like 10 hours i was running all those pools <laughs> and like i don't know for me that i think about when i think about rewire like i said i got fond memories right because you know my family was helping out something i was involved in and then also it was kind of like the peak of my even like my Street Fighter Five career because I remember playing against Ernest in like the winners final of our pool and I beat him like easily and I just remember like I walked off the stage and like I was you know I found Scott and Brick 
And they looked at me and they were just like, man, you look bad. And I'm just like, they were calling me like murder face, murder face <laughs> Benny and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what took over for me, but you know, I was just there. I remember that remember? match. It was incredibly, incredibly intense. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you got Ernest to crack basically. If I Yeah. And like, I remember, I remember like yeah. watching the VODs and stuff and hearing like, uh, it was John and James Chen commentating at the time. And like, you know, John was, you know, kind of just beside himself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's that was like one of my my top moments here in the scene. And I'm just like, I don't know what came over me. I mean, you know, to Ernest's credit, he ended up placing overall better than I did. But, you know, to have that moment, especially after, you know, running brackets and stuff like that for, for eight to ten hours, <laughs> like that, that, that's just like that was like peak Benny right there. <laughs> that's awesome. My um, my favorite Street Fighter moment is is winning Wednesday Night Fights. And I, oh, for yeah. me, I had to face Kino. Uh, he was playing Ooh. Balrog. Just like, and that's actually a pretty tough match for Faye because his, he can punish your your Rekkas with his jab. So you have to perfectly space the Rekka. And um, I know people who don't play Faye Long are like, who cares? Give me a break. Like top tier, <laughs> right? But it's a tough one. And I beat him. But the, what I remember is James Chen and, you know, um, and Ultra David on commentary getting hype and like celebrating on mic with me like they're part of that memory i i downloaded the youtube video and i have it in like my google drive and i can like revisit it on like a tough day or whatever you know like it has that level of importance in my life and for me yeah. like a lot of the budget for rewired went to things like bringing out you know james yeah. Chen. um not that he charged us very much at all because he actually didn't uh but you know we paid for airfare and like or like you know and the hotel room and stuff yeah but but it's not like rewired was a major in the way that like evo is and they have like a production budget and stuff like um and i think that like or i like to think that people who made it on the stage or who got you know and like having an arizona player commentate alongside james chen which happened for yeah. a lot of that tournament you'd have the arizona player talk to james about what they were like and um it was a way that like they a, a player from here could be connected to like the the fame of those pros or like the the scene that they that you watch you know because you would watch mm -hmm. wins and fights that's your entertainment as a fgc player yeah yeah i thought yeah that was that was a really big thing like, like you said like i mean that's that's a big thing i and i do like look back on that or you know i haven't <laughs> i haven't saved that i look back on every now and then and i was like yeah this is this is my movie that's awesome <laughs> I um, kind of just because I like to be sentimental, but Muji, do you have a moment like that? Can I ask you a question on your own podcast? <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Actually, I was thinking about that while you were talking because that's kind of a fun exercise. I I have a couple of like really high performing tournament placings, but uh, I know for Rewired that the one that you're talking about, Benny, there were 128 people that entered. I've for completely mm -hmm. forgot about most there, of there was there was a ton of pools tournament. i remember looking at like he we it was all broken down in the little pools and then yeah i ran all those pools in the you know the two hour two hour time frames and like you know i remember looking over the brackets with nick and stuff and just like yeah you know we deliberate over if it was balanced but yeah there was there was a lot of brackets <laughs> so yeah so to go back to your your uh your question nick i guess uh it would probably be that rewired for me as well because i ended up getting fourth in that tournament if i recall correctly i was i got top eight i know that much and i was on the stream and everything and i remember i, I beat somebody from vegas as well to qualify out of my pool and so that was yeah. pretty fun and 
and that that whole weekend was great because that's again that was the first weekend that my fiance got to really get to know the fgc and and nick you were incredibly welcoming benny you were too like and she she had a great time we had we ended up going to an opera later that night uh in tucson (laughs) uh and it was like a it was like the dutch or german or finnish version or whatever it is of uh it was latin it was latin of of the little mermaid (laughs) or whatever that just whatever (laughs) that whatever like that culture's whatever that culture's actual uh like version of the fairy tale is it was a little mermaid though or something like that uh and uh yeah it was just a good good weekend overall i still have pictures from that weekend of me and jess and just it was a Really good, good way to introduce her to the FGC overall. Also, yeah. I got fourth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, Nick. I mean, you know, everybody wants that kind of like kind of spotlight or that you know that time to shine. Like you talked about, like the Colorado scene, right? Like come here, like you know, we'll put put some put some shine on you. And it's just like, you know, not everybody that goes to Evo is going to get that opportunity to go on stream. And if you do, I mean, you're probably playing somebody that's going to body you most likely, right? So. To have that at like a more like a regional kind of a smaller area, but still have that exposure. And like you said, with like with James Chen being there, that brought some credibility to that, too, because like, you know, people, you know, if he's tweeting out about it on social media or whatever and saying, hey, I'm at this tournament commentating, there's more eyes from other scenes like, you know, SoCal in particular or whatever watching because of him and just saying, you know, oh, what's going on over here? And, you know. You know that, that those are things that I thought about too. Like when I got to play on stream, I mean, I got bodied the next day. I think it was a uh, coup d'état. Like I think that's the saltiest moment. One of the saltiest moments I had. He was playing Mika. Yeah, he. I think he played Bison, and then I think he played Mika against me, and I was so mad when I lost. <laughs> but you know, it's just yeah, just just that whole like spotlight, like the 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 spotlight that you brought to not just like our scene, but just like I guess as a region was kind of a real big thing for me. I'm glad that uh, you guys enjoyed it. Like, uh, I mean, you're TOs, so, you know, I think sometimes it can be like a, a selfless job and it's often the TOs that know what well, the TOs know, what goes into it. So you're warming yeah. my heart. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're so... looking at two people that got, got those spotlight moments that you were trying to create. So thank you very much for making that yeah, happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, see, so the other thing with Rewired, you know, from the from the first one to the second one, there was the transition from from four to five, right? Because mm-hmm. that was that was the big thing. And then you were with Street Fighter Five. You were what? I think you were maybe like kind of in the same boat as me. Like, did you play like the first two seasons and then you were kind of out of there? Yeah, I went pretty hard the first season. I mean, I was still traveling yeah. to play. I, um, I was finding more success out of the state at this point. Like, I was going to Las Vegas for these Randbats that were, I can't remember if they were monthly or whatever, but. Um, that's why I knew the Vegas crew. Uh, and I was still winning out there or winning, being consistent enough that I could like take their Randbats. But I was, um, I mean, I don't want to like crap on the game. I didn't love it. It was a different kind of game that I wasn't good at. I like it now more. Um, but yeah, I played like the first two seasons and then I kind of like, lo- I'm really lucky that my character, which is Karen, she doesn't really change. Like they give her some more stuff and yeah. I haven't even learned the new stuff, but I am still able to like pick up the game and play. So occasionally I'll go to like casuals at, you know, uh, the bars in Tucson or like I've, there's been a few times where I've been up to Phoenix. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I just <laughs> like to be connected to the scene. Um, 
especially yeah. like you know, if there's just something going on. I did like oh, a actually, yeah. I remember that once. Yeah. I ran into I tried you to once. Take yeah. on Isaac in yeah. a money match. And he destroyed me. I, I forget put that one on. Doing. That was that was the okay. I put the fight card on for that one. That was Desert Duels. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. That's right. In my mind, I still thought I could beat him. I, I see how wrong I was. Man. You were very confident going in. I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Make sure you practice hard. I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was the first two seasons were really like my time with five. Yeah. So then after five, like you made a transition from Street Fighter five and like the fighting game scene into fencing. Because like mm -hmm. I, uh, we're not Facebook friends, but. I mean, that's a whole different story, but uh, <laughs> I do follow you on Instagram. And the one thing that uh, I was, you know, I saw you posting about was the fencing thing. So, you know, you transitioned into doing that. And like I, you mentioned earlier, like that kind of came from like your film background. Mm -hmm. Like, so is that that's what that was something that you were involved in prior to the transitioning over to that? Because I was, was under the impression that it was like Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5 and then fencing. But you you alluded to it being something that you were doing beforehand. Yeah, I started fencing when I was 13. Oh, wow. And um, I have fenced for almost my entire life. I didn't fence when I was in California only because um, I worked nights, so I didn't get to. But uh, even when I was doing, um, when I was competing in Street Fighter 4, I was also traveling to to fence. And okay, that's where my like alter ego of Cord Zatan, why I would wear the fencing mask and like do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what kind of started that for you at 13? Cause like, you know, that's, you know, obviously that's a time when people are, you know, finding themselves or finding things that they, that they have passions for. Like, so what started that for you? I was trying to find a sport and um, I didn't have one that I like clicked with. I didn't really like team sports. Uh, it just felt like I wanted, like I wanted to put work into something and see results. And I hated when I would like work at something and then the team would lose, you know? Yeah. Um, and I liked the movie, The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that like sword fight, you know, my dad and I used to like act it out uh, with like wrapping paper tubes and stuff around Christmas time. And my Aww. would it. Yeah. So he was like, you should try fencing. And he took me to a class. Um. And honestly, that's where I found it, and I just I haven't stopped since. So that's awesome. Okay, so you were so yeah, so you were doing that, and then you said you yeah, so you went to California, so that kind of went on the back burner, mm -hmm. and then you came back here. That was what late or mid Street Fighter Four time. Two thousand. Well, let's see. When did Street? Oh nine was when Street Fighter Four came out, right? Yeah, oh nine was when Street Fighter Four came out. Yeah. So I moved to California in twenty twelve. And okay. I was out there for oh, almost two years. So like 2014, I came back. Okay. It was still Street Fighter 4. And I was fencing with my former coach at the time and competing. Um, and then I opened up a club myself with like my coach's blessing um, six years ago. So 2016. Okay, so that was right when Street Fighter 5 came out then. Yeah. And that's kind of like where my to energy my to energy went into running the club yeah. so it's like okay. starting your own company basically right you had to find like find a venue or not a venue but like a place to rent from right and i mean we we rented a space uh luckily at the time i didn't have to pay rent so i used my oh nice money as 
well rent for the club <laughs> oh nice I, showed, I didn't I, yeah. I didn't know you started i'm sorry i didn't know that you had actually you were the one that started that i thought that you kind of just like joined the club but that's that's awesome like that you started it yeah, yourself yeah. i told my coach uh that i wanted to like do marketing for her because she sucked at it to be honest <laughs> and she is like a wonderful person um it's still very much involved in my life, but she's also like a hard ass in the exact same ways that I am. So like, I respect it and I get it, but because I get it, I knew that if she said no, it was never going to happen. So I yeah. said, Hey, I'm going to open up my own club and market. What do I do? You know, and she's, <laughs> yeah. she's like, go for it. And I was like, I still want to be your student though. And she's like, yeah, why would you not be my student just because you're open your own club? She's very, you know, like Mr. Mr. Miyagi, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's super <laughs> so cool. Good. And I marketed my own stuff and whatever. And, um, and then when she decided to stop coaching, she left her students to me, which was a big business bonus, obviously, for us. Yeah. Oh, wow. So then I took over, like, I basically, it was still my club, but I just had all of these former club mates of mine became my students yeah yeah that that's huge i mean you know that's like the the whole twitch thing right like rating somebody else's thing right she basically was just like you know what i'm getting out of the game this is this is one of my students who's got his own thing going mm -hmm. so that, yeah that's, that's cool man like i didn't know about that at that's all. like straight that's... out of cobra kai or something where there's like a heritage <laughs> of like hey, you know you all come from the same fencing instructor so now you all naturally have her style and you know that style will clash against some other evil style at, at regionals and there'll be a big battle right <laughs> what i what i love for me because i teach a lot of youth students like from i go from ages eight i mean i'll teach adults but my youth program is eight all the way through like college, right? Uh, my my coach is known for being a hard ass who makes you stay in the on guard position, which is like a squat basically. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, basically the on guard position is Fei Long, uh, yeah. like the way you stand in, in Jeet Kune Do, so you guys know. Oh. And she would always get complimented because her students like me would be doing a good job staying in the on guard. But it's tiring. So a lazier fencer kind of like stands up a little bit more and you can get like punished for that. Um, like the Street Fighter equivalent would be like yeah. not, not being awake in the neutral and then you get like tripped, right? Sure. Yeah. And so now with me, I make a big point to make sure my students are in a good on guard so that they, you know, kind of continue that. And I love when like people ask, like, oh, were they trained by Yvonne? And I'm like, no, they were trained by me. <laughs> oh, it's Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> no, like that's that's something that always interested me in terms of like when I, you know, when I'd see your Instagram post and you're doing the fencing thing was just like learning that you had done that much earlier in your life. Like, did you see some parallels? Like, because when I think of fencing, right, I think immediately of like footsies, right? Like that's the neutral game in fighting games. So was there were there things that you learned from fencing that you applied to like Street Fighter 4 and like stuff that, you know, the games that you would play? Yeah, 100%. And there's actually kind of a cool thing here. So I mean, I didn't click it right away until I started playing Fei Long. And his Fei Long's Rekka reminded me of a fencing lunge. Okay. Um, and so, and then in fencing, if you lunge and then you do another lunge, that's called a redouble, which is just a reka, right? Yeah, it's a reka reka. <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, but also the fact that like fencing is mostly a pair, like a plane, 
you can yeah. do head stepping, but like you're limited. So we call it distance, but fencing distance is exactly the same as footsies. Okay. And there's like, there's a word in fencing for everything that you say in Street Fighter. So like when you, when you punish somebody, when you, when you make somebody whiff in fencing, that's called making them fall short. Huh. Right. When you corner them, it's called pushing them. You push them to the back of the strip and you're literally trying to corner them because then setting the distance is on your terms. They can't back away. Right. And so like, as soon as that clicked, I was like, oh my God. But um, fun fact, there's actually a Olympian from Canada. His name is Eli Schenkel. He runs a YouTube channel called S Class and he's a big Super Smash player. Oh, and so he actually was there too, huh? Yeah. And he's made videos about like, you know, like when, like in fencing, you're trying to punish the recovery frames of your opponent's lunge. And it's, yeah it's cool that other people are seeing that too okay so i kind of want to play a game right now if that's okay with the group here i i think that benny and i and i i've got some lined up benny so you, you can have time to think this through but i will come up with a fighting game situation and can you come up with a fencing equivalent or parallel do you want to yeah, try totally. that all right I can do that. okay so i just i just blocked someone's uh, button and it's punishable with my medium kick. So I block. I walk up to them and I block and then I punish. What's the equivalent of that in in uh in fencing? Yeah. So blocking in fencing is is a word you're going to be familiar with. It's parrying. Ah. So we okay. would say that's a second intention attack, which just means you walk. You you purposefully got close to them uh-huh. to draw out their attack to okay. block it and hit them. So it's like in third strike, you walk up to bait them so that yeah. you parry yeah. and punish it's exactly the same you walk up okay. you, bait them, you parry and then you repost means to hit oh, it's them. like so it's like it's like i'm gonna walk into this space i'm expecting to low forward but i'm gonna parry and now it's my turn again yep yep yep, yep. okay nice. I, I, it's, it's one to one like there's it's crazy okay how about this I'm losing on the ground, and so therefore and because they're they're constantly asserting space with normals and therefore I'm gonna jump at them gotcha okay so because we can't fly like a fighter. <laughs> right, right, right. The equivalent to uh, to this is like in, in fencing, you crush the distance. So okay. if, you're, if you're losing in Street Fighter in neutral, like you can't get in on a Chun-Li, right? So you jump over her normals. Right. What we do is like more like dashing in. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. We're not going to play footsies anymore. We're going we're gonna to crush the distance. And get close to them because then you're uh, you're ruining their ability to keep you at bay. So I, like, poking is a thing in fencing. Okay, but I believe there is a term in it, like in, in the Japanese FGC that refers to aggressive moves like a jump or a dash, something to basically switch from neutral to an advantageous position up in someone's grill, right? And so it sounds yeah. like that's that's kind of what fencing is. It has a dash built into it <laughs> mm-hmm. as as your aggression mobility aggression technique. Then okay exactly so you're you're just getting in there because you need to in order to like mix it up got it and you can jump like there's jump lunges but you know it's not the same where you're jumping over a move it's again to get next to them got it okay benny have you got one uh i don't know (laughs) i could i could throw out another one i could throw out another one um let's see here uh you i got knocked down 
in in a fighting game, and so I want to recover safely by doing a, an escape, like a, a game specific escape, uh, uh, escape technique, like a backdash that's invincible, or a uh, yeah, a backdash invincible. Like what would be cool, a cool. good evasive technique on the D? So we have this thing where um, in fencing you can you can hit somebody as they're falling, like so there are literal knockdowns where you're not oh. knocking them down, but like sometimes like in basketball where you can like juke somebody and they trip because like you broke their ankles or whatever that happens. Um, oh. yeah. What I would say is um, we, we refer to defense when you're moving backwards as searching. So you're searching for a block, right? Uh-huh. And there's a really cool thing in fencing that happens where you build like muscle memory, but you're building it with the absence of touch. So what this means is like, if I try to block one way uh-huh. and I don't feel anything, I literally won't feel something. And that triggers me to do an additional block back the other way. So it's, it's like, oh, an it's an it option select. Me, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my equivalent is like, it's a defensive option select. It's kind of like in Street Fighter four, you would do a backdash, right? But yeah. you would do a backdash from the focus attack so that you're so either, you absorb either, either hit absorbing too. a hit or you're backdashing. In fencing, you're moving backwards, but you're either going to move backwards once to stop them, and automatically, if you don't stop them, you're going to move backwards again, and you, you don't even think about it. You just do it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got I was, one more. I, I got one more uh, while I was thinking I, about it. Oh, you got one? Yeah, I was thinking of one. Go for so, it. So, uh, in terms of like feigning, like feigning is a thing in, in fencing too, right? So. Yeah, like, what would that be in terms of, like, you know, I throw out a jab because I want you to do something, and then, like, I react, you know, whatever, with something to, to punish your whatever you throw out. Gotcha. Okay, so we have two things here. And I'll just do really quick. Like, we have feints. We have a high-low game that's exactly the same. Um, you have target that's, like, above your arm and below your arm. You can't protect it all at the same time. So you can, like, faint low with like an, a move, the opponent tries to block it and then you can go high. So those are kind of like, you know, like Ken's roundhouse that like looks like it's going one way and then oh, it hits Oh, crazy kicks, yeah, yeah. Okay. We have those kind of attacks that work where we have, you know, high lows and reverse. So that's one way. And then quite literally, um, if, if you are on the attack, so if I'm going, like say I'm trying to hit you, Benny. Yeah. I score a point if I hit you and you don't defend, okay? So if you did like a desperation attempt, so we have like priority is the best way to describe it. Okay. okay. So you'd be throwing a jab and I'd be throwing a fierce because I'm I'm making the attack. If we both touched each other, I would win the point. So what oh. happens, you pretend you faint like you're going to throw a jab, right? But as your jab recovers, I throw that fierce punch, you parry it. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. Well, you can do a false feint into a parry. That's like when you're you're like in neutral and you do you whiff a crouch jab and then they try to low forward it because we see the crouch jab and then you sweep their low forward, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really, like, we practice um, taking an advance step, which just means move forward, and then lunging. And we practice making the start of our advance able to transition into a lunge immediately because you want the startup, if you want to think about it as startup, the animation of your advance to look like your lunge so that you can go into the lunge without the opponent knowing that you're doing it. Yep. If it looks different, they're ready to defend. And like, I think that's a very fighting game 
yep. tenets. Like how a lot of people will do like a fake fireball with a light kick, right? Because it keeps yeah, yeah, you standing, yeah. right? Yeah. Or like Guile will throw a boom and then whiff a throw because he pu pulls both of his arms together and it looks like a boom, right? Right. And then okay. you hit them for whatever they do. That's all in fencing. Like, okay, the last one on my end. I just, I gotta, mm -hmm. I gotta get this one out because this, this is too fun. Um, I am, I want to do a combo on this person, but I'm not sure if it's going to hit or not. And so I start with a jab and then I do a couple more jabs into a, a strong, into a, a DP or something, right? So basically I'm hit confirming with a, a low, I'm, I'm hit confirming. What's the, what's the uh, parallel there? Yeah. So we have a thing called engaging and your opponent's got a sword, right? Let's say your opponent is taller than you. So they outreach you. They can hit you before you can hit them. They have a longer poke, right? Sure. But we need a way to get close to them without, and we need to know where their sword is. But what we're going to do is called a compound attack. You can think about it as a combo, right? Okay. But we're going to attack their blade. And what that means is we're going to try to move our hand in a way that we can feel their blade. And when it happens, we're going to trap it by using some kind of motion. So like if okay. this thing's pointing towards me, yeah, I could go around underneath, catch it, and go forward. And so mm -hmm. I've moved their blade to the outside. And so that's a, it's a combo of like, I'm going to step forward and try to do something. And if I feel the blade, I can proceed and hit them. But ah. if I do feel them, it's like what I talked about earlier. I'm going to abandon it and I'll stop the combo. That's a hit uh, confirm. Yeah. yeah. You're starting with something local middle, right? Like that, that, yeah. that just that check, but you're still keeping yourself uh, guarded, I guess. Right. And we would, we would actually use the word check. Which is what's funny about it. Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> very cool. That's awesome, man. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that's something that I always like. You know, again, like when I saw you the Instagram stuff and like you getting into fencing and stuff, I was just like, I know that there's, you know, there's so many parallels, right? Just in terms of just like not even knowing anything about fencing, but just like, yeah, just just the visual, the visual of that, and like the whole footsies thing. Like, yeah, that's great, man. Like in terms of like you talked about. Uh, like the tournament side of, of fencing, like what's been, well, I guess, I guess what was the, uh, what was the thing that you saw from fencing that you wanted to implement or that you wanted to push into the, into like the fighting game scene or in the, like the tournaments? Yeah. Um, there's differences for sure in the cultures. Um, one, I wouldn't want to change the culture of the FGC. I like it. And I like the culture of fencing and they're different and I don't think they should be the same. <laughs> <laughs> But what I do like is um, structural differences. Um, there are more tournament options for people of different skill levels in the fencing community. And I don't know how you do that. Um, but for example, um, when I go to a tournament, I can compete in, or like when one of my students, let's say they're 16, they can go to a tournament and they can compete in what's called the open, which is like everyone. Everybody else. Right. And then they have Y16, which is like ages 14 up to 16. And then they have juniors, which is like another category. And that's basically uh, like 13 to 19. And it allows you to go to one event and and play with people of, dip, of varying skill levels. Yeah. So the one way that the FGC is, is like, 
I wonder if it's fair for somebody like, remember that kid, Noah? What was his name? Noah the Prodigy? He was, yeah, he was yeah. good, right? Oh, he's, like, he's still competing, actually. Like, he just yeah. got top 32, I think, in that most recent CPT. <laughs> it's and super cool. Awesome. Noah. Yeah. So like, when when he was new, was yeah. there ever a way that he could beat Daigo? No. <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't think it's because of, I just think it's age difference. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In In Street Fighter, like, especially now as the games become, like, more, less... Uh, related to your button ability like your your mechanics and more decision making right you can play when you're older yeah and you're and now knowledge becomes an advantage and so i would like to see more options for people options uh, of people for people with a varying experience levels basically yeah so i think it's totally like you should i don't know why they wouldn't be able to track the ability of your, of your skill level based on performance and then create you know different leagues based on that i mean you yeah. do that when you do like um you know we, we did Rambat a and b tier or when you do those uh yeah motion style events where like the the winner goes up and you know yeah, like, to it. or they i've seen i really like those tournaments where there's like a separate tournament for the losers bracket yeah right the yeah, second nice. chance tournaments yeah yeah and then I mean, like, yeah sorry one one other structural change that i don't know would would work for for FGC, but it's like this is will explain why I think about it. Is you go to a fencing tournament, the pools we still have pools like like a major, but we do round robin with everyone in the pool, sure. but you do a lesser amount of points. So maybe it would be like doing a round robin with like less help. I don't know, like what it looks oh, like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, like the individual match like rules are different. We do, yeah. Okay. So we're playing to five points, but everyone against the pool, and that gives you your seeding after the pool stage, and then everyone goes into a single elimination bracket. But yeah. you fence to fifteen points, so that's like you know, you know how in FGC, if you have more rounds, it yeah, you have more, you have, you have more time to download, yeah, you get gather data, do all that kind of stuff, yeah. I think the parallel would be first to two versus first to three, first to two in pools, first to three in top eight, right? <laughs> right. But it's but again, you're facing everyone in the pool, and what I like about it is it gives beginners the opportunity yeah. to get more practice in the tournament experience, and that's that's what you need to bring, you know. Yeah. So well, yeah, I like the idea. I was gonna say um, when I when you when you talk about that, I think of like the uh, the Smash tournaments. That's something that's in the in the Smash tournaments when I look at the. Uh, the SAC gaming stuff that they have set up. That's mm -hmm. that's literally what they do, right? Like they have like the the pools or the round robins to start. And then usually it's like I think it's the top two advance into like the advanced bracket and the the, the other two go into like the beginner bracket or the whatever amateur bracket, whatever you want to call it. Yep. So yeah. Um, average Swiss so tournaments, is, right? That's yeah. what I think about. Um I had a question for you on that one. Uh and I lost it. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no, I, I definitely see. Like, that's something that I've always thought about too. Like, uh, we talked about that before on the podcast in terms of like when I ran the Scrub Cup, right? It's like you know you wanna you wanna put people in those kind of positions that they're not that they're not used to, right? And it's mm -hmm. just like, how do I how do I get those people into those situations when every day you know driftwoods in the bracket and like man i ran into this guy round one again and i'm in losers right away right like you got to take those people out of there and like um 
you know, the natural thing, like you said, with fencing, like they have the age brackets, like that's, that's a normal thing. And like any kind of like martial arts or any kind of like those kind of tournaments, it's just like, you know, there's a, like you said, there's an open or there's, you know, just age, age limitations because it's just like, yeah, we don't want 25 year old so-and-so, you know, fighting 12 year old, whatever. Right. You know, there's, there's huge, huge advantages and disadvantages for, for both of them. So yeah, that's something that, I mean, yeah, I could see. Even, even when we're out of age differences, we have um, we have like divisions, like division three, two, and one, with one being the most skilled, and yeah. we have open levels within those divisions, and so it's like uh, you can, you know, there is fluctuation between that. There's so many different styles of events that are run, and um, these are usually we're talking like three four day long tournaments where the events are happening on different days right now you go to evo if you if you're a street fighter player you play in one event mm -hmm. you're done but it's the event right when i go to a fencing tournament i'm fencing in multiple events separated by days uh, but they're all the same like tournament it's all you know it would all i fence foil that's like the game version if you want like that's my street fighter so I remember my question. Um, so right now in the Street Fighter Five scene, and I think in several other other scenes, but uh, online they run tournaments for beginners where it's like you're restricted to certain divisions within the, the game's online ranking system, like bronze, mm -hmm. uh, silver, bronze, gold, uh, platinum, diamond, and uh, grandmaster and above. And so what they I've seen people do is they say platinum is a limit and you could only have a tournament with just platinum and below players, platinum players and below rather. And so I'm curious if that would satisfy the the vision that you have driftwood, or if there's, if, if, if online is a good metric for this even, or if there's another way that you would, you would, uh, what's the word? Uh, segment like rank out the, the players. population. Yeah. yeah. Rank the players. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm one of the anti online guys. Okay. And so I, it, but I don't hate that idea. But I think there's got to be a way. You guys ever play like competitive Magic: The Gathering? Like, uh, no, I was I played competitive Tetris. I was just, I was thinking of like Elo rankings. Yeah, like we have rankings in fencing that you get based on your performance, and there's a whole thing. It's like tournaments have to have a certain amount of people of a certain skill level to bestow certain rankings to the winners, and you know it's like. Think about his payout like it's not just the winner who gets rankings you just get lesser rankings if you were further down sure. so I, but in I, I bring up magic the gathering because like that's an offline game right people are playing with cards and they have a system where the tournament winners are like reported and you it's tracked on your like online profile and now you have like a ranking and and you can qualify for certain events and stuff um which is sort of what capcom's doing so I would like to just see more integration of like, let's track our offline performances and okay. find a way to bring that to larger scale events and then offer like, you know, okay, between this and this rank, here's that tournament. You know what I mean? Sure. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, but it's the, the number has to be relative as well, right? Like, you know, I might place first place in this eight-man bracket but if it was just me and you know nobody else of of who is very strong entered you know i can't just 
weight my first place at the same as a first place at Evo or something, right? And that's that's how it is in fencing. It's relative. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm curious about the the anti online stance. Uh, it has that is that is that from back in 2010 when we when we all picked it up, or 2009 when we all picked it up, or are you talking more like? Even today, it was Street Fighter Six coming out with rollback netcode and all that stuff. Like, do you think that online is still? Do you, do you think online is caught up to the legitimacy that online offline has? Um, I think my anti-online stance definitely started with the the two thousand nine, for sure. Um, but I still have it. Here's why: um, I think rollback netcode will work, but I think that there is still an element of designing the game around the around online. And, and that looks like when I look at the fighting games that are online, it looks like slower buttons, like more startup on, on moves. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of three frame jabs or stuff, at least like they're not, even with like street fighter five netcode being a lot better. Now you're not reacting to a jab online ever intentionally. A jab. No, I agree. But well, that's the, that, that's, that's the remark from earlier though. We were like, what if you whiff a jab to, to bait out a low forward and you get a sweep, right? Should you ever be right. able to react to it? <laughs> well, and I, I understand that. I think a game can be designed around online play. I don't think that it's been done perfectly yet. Okay. Um, and so I, it's still like coming at it as like, this is a simulation of offline. Do you think um, anyone's gotten close to, to, to designing a game uh, for online play? You know, what's crazy is I think Rising Thunder was my ideal online. Okay. Rising Thunder uh, was the game that was by the Cannon Brothers, who are also the founders of Evo, and they have since gone on to work at Riot. So are you expecting yeah. much from Project L? I hope so. Um, did you play Rising Thunder? I did not, no. Played, also, I played it a little bit, yeah. It's my favorite integration of the the easy controls argument that you hear right now in the FGC, right? Oh, yeah. Because the way that it worked was like your special moves were on cooldown. Right. And so you didn't, you didn't have to have an execution, although some characters still had execution of like the timing of when you use the buttons or which motions you use. You know, you still had to jump to, to continue a combo or whatever. Um, I have high hopes for the, the Riot fighting game. I also just, I do think it should be PC-based or at least cross-play. Cross-play gives me more hope for online. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think, like, it's my whole argument of, like, we need, we're stronger with our numbers. Even when we bring different fighting games together, we can accomplish more like we did with rewired well let, let's let's not fragment our systems you know yeah that's how i feel i love cat cam <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like yeah i have high hopes for for project l2 like i think you know i mean obviously there's going to be the expectations with it you know coming from the the league of legends side and riot like there's definitely going to be uh a huge kind of untapped market there outside of the fgc because i mean um, like you said, the, the Cannon Brothers are working on that. I think uh, somebody mentioned, um, what's his name? The Marvel player. Uh, Clockwork. Clockwork oh. is being involved in that, right? And, you know, so for for us, like the, the hardcore fighting game players, like, you know, there's a there's that portion of it where it's just like, 
that lends itself some le legitimacy, right? Like we're going to, we have hopes for it because the people that are involved in our scene are working on that. And then, but there's also this much kind of like casual scene in the League of Legends side that they've got to capture as well. Yeah. I mean, it can be done. And I think certain games in different genres have managed that. Like a lot of the MOBAs do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, where there's like a high level team that practices together. Sorry about this alarm. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but you know, you still have all these members playing um, that appreciate the game. So it, it totally can be implemented well. And I don't, I mean, I want online to work. So yeah. I think it would be foolish not to. So and that would destroy the, you know, if they can get it to work, it fixes the problem of like these cloistered communities of different skill levels. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a yeah. lot lately because of like how I think I think in the future online is actually going to supplant offline altogether because there's a point where if online is good enough and it doesn't it doesn't have to be maintained parity with offline per se, but as long as it's good enough, like during a pandemic or something, what is your practice group at a certain point? Like, because right now we're limited by just who we play offline, who lives in Arizona. But what if my practice group is actually people in California? And I think that happens a lot. Like uh, the best Street Fighter V player on the West Coast right now, I believe, is Chris CCH. He's in Oregon, but he's also plays regularly with the SoCal folks, right? So it's kind of like, what is your scene at a certain point? If you don't have the geographical barriers anymore due to online, you know. Um, so I, I'm of that mindset where offline goes away and the scenes go away do you think that that's coming in the future or do you think that uh, it'll end up shaking out differently do you think offline will be around for forever i view it as a hit to the offline for sure um i don't want that community you know there is something different about being in a space and and playing um being able to like go get food with your bud after or like just sitting by i think like honestly like i think being in person is creates a culture of more respect than being online uh even when it's like the most heated match ever you know i think there's more respect when you're online than offline and oh, the, the, yeah the other way around offline has more respect basically offline has more <laughs> so, sorry yeah so I, I, I do think it would be a, a hit to it, um, but I don't think of it as um, online. I don't think it's not, you should still develop online, you know? Yeah, um, Yeah, I agree with SNK saying offline has to stay around. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the yeah. true fans, like offline is going to be the way that you, you know, practice. Yeah. And okay. um, yeah, that's how I view it. Yeah, I say. I mean, for me, like too, like you talked about your adventures, like going to New Mexico or going to New York, and it's just like you know, online's cool, and like you know, it's one of those things like you meet people online, you find out like where they're from, but then eventually, like you know, if you're in the area, you know, you want to make that bridge that connection, right? Then you know, it goes beyond like the game, right? Like it becomes a a, a friendship. You know, it's just like, hey, you know, I. Aquasook took me on the, the subway train here and here, and it's just like I got that memory. And like the next time I come back, you know, it'll be like, hey, remember me? I was that guy that popped off, and you know, you took me, you took me to Brooklyn and whatever. And it's just like, you know, that's that's something that's gonna grow out of online. So I don't think that that will like ever go away. Like I feel like that's a 
that's a huge kind of thing and just kind of like the whole like human connection kind of aspect that i think like i don't think we can really kind of avoid that because like eventually like you know whoever i meet online like if i'm at evo you're at evo i'm going to be like hey man let's link up you know like that's that's always going to be something that i'm going to want to do if it's somebody that i haven't met in person before like i do that all the time with like my uh my alaska buddies like when i was going to evo like there was people that i didn't personally know that you know that have been to alaska after i left but they're coming down with the group and it's just like hey this is my time to like you know them to introduce me oh this is benny he used to be here until whatever right and then you know again then we have that connection it's the human experience the human person to person connection you got to keep it i um i don't know john and i tell this story a lot we used to go running to this arcade I think it was Family Fun Arcade, but it was like in Hollywood, close to where we lived. But it wasn't one of the like popular Street Fighter spots in LA, but it was like two miles from the house. So we could manage running there. And we were playing one time and we were like beating up on this guy, right? And uh, he was getting frustrated, but he kept playing. And then at one point, this kid came and he was like cheering on John and I. Well, we ended up handing like a stack of quarters to the kid. And then the kid was playing like the rest of our like credit and loses. And the other guy like stands up because he's excited that he like finally beat whoever this person was that's like beating him, realizes that we let like a kid get on the cab and is now salty and sits down because he just wants to play, but he doesn't have us as opponents anymore. And now the kid is the the one trying to beat this guy. And it was (laughs) kind of like a circle of life moment, but it all happened because we were there able to like you know, see each other. Uh, it was just a complete stranger. We like to joke that that kid's going to be like the, the next Daigo, you know, like we, that was his formative moment. <laughs> but I, yeah, you just, just like, you did the equivalent of a one and done on somebody just if in yeah. real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's so funny. that's an interesting question. And I, I, it's interesting. I, I've thought more about tournaments and organization of them yeah. than I have like online. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I mean, well, I mean, we we heard a little bit about the origins of Driftwood, talked about Rewired, and then really, really great discussion about fencing. That that really kind of hit a mm-hmm. lot of points that I wanted to to find out about. But in terms of like uh, the future, like one, are we going to see Nick going with Street Fighter Six? Like, are you interested in that? Uh, you know, if so, like, I mean, we don't know about Fei Long, but you know. Like what you know? How, what's the future look for for driftwood? Uh, I will toy with it for sure. Uh, you can count on that. I have been keeping in touch with the updates, and I'm interested in the battle system that's been announced. So that's cool. Um, I think that they are approaching meter usage in a way better way than Street Fighter Five. It doesn't feel like Mario Kart to me anymore. Oh, which was my ending. Yeah. What was my problem? Like I did all this work to be better than my opponent and now he gets a comeback factor. That's like going to kill me in two touches. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah. I know that like back in the day with street fighter two, that was everyone, but well, that was uh, the main criticism of street fighter four was the ultra meter, right? That, that you get punished for, for, uh, for hitting somebody cause they get revenge bar. Yeah. I mean, right? I didn't love that either. Like I think yeah. that figured out the scaling of it. And I didn't like unblockables and yeah. um, 
but I wasn't good enough at the beginning of Street Fighter 4 to understand the complaints, quite honestly. And so I sort of was oblivious to them. <laughs> that's like as, as, uh, no, that's, um, that's fair. That's very self aware. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took me, I got, um, not double perfected, but I got perfected twice by Shinakuma at Evo on stage when I was playing Abel because of unblockables. I couldn't escape the vortex. And that was the first time I understood what it meant. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and um, that was what led me to Fei Long. So, <laughs> so anyways, I'm interested in the, the battle system. I haven't found a character that like excites me yet. If Phalong's in the game, it's probably like a, a definitive yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, nice, I pick, nice. if I try the game and I'm like, oh, there's some magic here and it feels fun, then yeah. Very oh, cool. cool. So that's keeping cool. an open yeah. mind, it sounds like. Well, yeah. for sure. And like everyone I've met through the scene in Tucson, like I still see. I mean, some of them much less than others, but like I see yeah. John, I see Steve, Tyler. I play like Heroes of the Storm with Steve and Tyler. So we're playing other games and I wouldn't have even known who they were. So I imagine that we're going to try. We're going to see what happens, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. So I hope it clicks. So my last yeah. question to you would be a kind of choose your own adventure. Um, so if you had to give advice to either a new player or a new TO, and you can pick which one you want to talk to, what I advice would you give them? You got you to do one because we, we're low on time. I'm going to give the same advice, but it's going to be the same advice to both. Ooh, fancy. Because I, I see this with my fencing students, and this is my advice. Anything worthwhile to do is hard to do. And I see people quit, and I view it as my role as like a coach to help people understand that like yeah you can quit if you want if you're not having fun if it's not worth it but if it is worth it and you quit you've lost something that you could have had that's only special because it is hard to do so you need to like persevere past the the hard combo or the the time that you lost in the tournament and you went oh and two or for a to the tournament that you threw that only had like two attendees like it's worthwhile to do, but you do have to push when it's hard. And that's like my advice to player, to TO, to get right. real. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's brilliant. You're defined by your defeats more so than your victories in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's the one frame links under pressure that feel the best. And um, it's like the tournament moments that you guys were talking about earlier that like feel yeah. the best to me as a TO. And I didn't get there by like, you know, not taking risks and trying things and all that. Yeah, yeah, that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, like when you get over that, get over that hump, get over that hill. You know, been kicking your ass while you grow up. You know, beat your dad after he's been you know beating you in basketball for all those years or whatever. Like you know yeah. that 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 moment when you get there. Like yeah, that's that's one of like some of the best things and best things in life, man. So. Obviously, we talked about the fencing. Like, did you have any other shout outs or anything else that you wanted to, to talk about or promote or anything like that? Um, no, I don't want to shout. I mean, you guys, if you ever want to try fencing and you're in Tucson, you know, just tell me. I'll schedule yeah. a free lesson with you. And uh, of course, but. Um, oh, I, there you go. Free free lesson if you want to learn some real life footsies, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get <laughs> and I'm going to hit you in real life. But um, <laughs> to everyone, it's been a blast, like seeing everyone in the chat. I got it. I want to give props because. Uh, 
uh, I don't think SNK was on the show yet, but I did talk about how you were my demon. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I love what you guys are doing. And like the FGC is very special. I'm going to go watch the the YouTube video of me at Wednesday Night Fights right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the, uh, you're back in the, the nostalgia zone now. <laughs> oh, you got yeah, it. Yeah. Is that the goal? Yeah. This was really just to get me to play six, wasn't it? <laughs> that's all it was is we got to bring him out of retirement we're going to set up an entire podcast just for this moment all the old guys back out of retirement <laughs> very oh, cool man. Yeah. yeah well we yeah, hope to come back and, and uh, join another episode sometime we'd love to keep talking to you about fencing we gotta we basically got our own lesson right then and there you know <laughs> so yeah. let's get more <laughs> thank you check yeah, out awesome, the youtube yeah. channel uh, s class because it'll, it'll explain those uh fighting game and fencing parallels Nice, nice. Cool. I'm going to make a note of that right now. And then, uh, yeah, for those of you listening, uh, next week we will back, be back on on Thursday at uh, 5 p.m. here on Twitch. We go live at twitch.tv slash spiral series, uh, followed by the VOD on YouTube at youtube.com slash spiral series, and then on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify under Absolute Guard. Uh, next week we have coming on is going to be King, Him- King Hippo Tanner, who uh, has made some waves recently in the. Uh, on Twitter, uh, talking about Evo and uh, what was it about the um, uh, NFTs specifically? NFTs. And the, that's the impact it was. that crypto has had on the FGC and how it's impacting esports lately. It's a brilliant read. He's the the uh, webmaster, I suppose, of the Them's Fighting Words blog, and that's that's how yeah. he makes those waves. He's got he's still using a blog, and it's it yeah. touches all of the FGC all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, again, Nick, man, it was a pleasure. I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, but you know, I do follow your Instagram adventures, and so it's fun, you know, seeing seeing what you're up to, and you know, the tournaments and stuff that you go to. Real, real awesome that that's actually something that you started, like a, the club that you started. Like yeah. I didn't know that. I, I won't be a stranger when uh, when there's more offline events or at like the Street Fighter Six. I'll try to cop a pre-launch copy early so I have an unfair advantage. <laughs> do my thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's hey, I did that. <laughs> but real quick, I do want to I do want to give a shout out to you, Nick. Um, to get a little personal here is I went through I had a I had an illness a couple of years back that was extremely rare and uh for a while. Uh, I wasn't sure and nobody was really sure if we, if I was going to make it. And, um, you know, not a lot of people get the opportunity in their lives to see just how much they've have just what kind of an impact you've had on other people before you die or, you know, just in general before, like, and, and so I, I didn't, I like, I was, you know, I was thinking I was going to go and uh nick put together a video of everybody in the fgc wishing me well and kind of giving me that perspective of these are the people that i've had to i've had the pleasure of knowing in my life and uh in a lot of ways i i wanted to keep having keep maintaining that that relationship and keep hanging in there and so i i'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity to 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 basically just see the impact that i've had on on the world and that's just something that you know that's that's up there. That's way up there with the uh, mm. with the the to spotlight thing. It's that. It's I, mean, I got I got a once in a lifetime chance thanks to you, and so I'm really grateful. Uh, you obviously deserve all of those kudos, and uh, I was it was incredible to see everyone who had similar feelings to me, like and the way that you've impacted our lives. So uh, 
you do not need to thank me. We owe you the biggest of thanks uh, for all the work that you do. And obviously, Benny, your family, like what running registration tables and everything like uh, <laughs> is, uh, the, the definition of selfless and awesome. So um, I and I think you're way better at doing it than I am because you're long haulers. I hella respect it. So thank you. <laughs> Well, maybe watch that video again after your Wednesday night fights one if you want to cry. talking about that. Me too. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. I I guess that will that will be it for us. Um and uh I guess yeah, next episode nine thirteen, as Benny said. And uh we'll call it here. Well next not nine thirteen, nine nine fifteen. Nine fifteen. <laughs> oh shoot. Let me change that on the thing. Yeah, nine fifteen next Whoops. Thursday. <laughs> cool thanks everybody so again thanks everybody for watching and listening see you later Thank you.